0: Hello listeners, welcome to the third episode of the Always Drive Podcast. I'm your host Devlin Riggs and I'm really happy to have you back for the third installment of another look at the past week's car and truck industry news. As they say, ain't nothing to it but to do it, so let's jump right into the news. Come on down, y'all. Buy your next car at Walmart. We got your trucks, too, or not. Uh, Walmart announced this week that they would start selling cars at stores, which is a bit misleading because what they really have is a deal with an online company called Car Saver, which basically just sounds like it adds steps to the whole car buying process. There will be kiosks in-store where you can go and set up an appointment to arrange and arrange financing for cars, but you still have to go somewhere else to actually see it, touch it, drive it, and actually get to know what it is that you want to buy. So, what this is, is basically a lead generator for other dealerships. And it's not really clear who this stands to benefit other than Car Saver itself, because they make a $350 commission on every lead that they generate from dealerships. So I guess they're just targeting people who happen to be at Walmart and think, "Uh, oh, well, I I guess I could use a new car." You know, it's not really like a impulse buy type of thing that you have ne- next to the registers. So, we'll we'll see how this goes, but I yeah, I don't I don't see big savings coming from this. Next up, uh progress on connected cars is facing a potential stoplight in its development, and that stoplight is uh, actual literal stoplights. Uh, the automotive news reported this week that dumb stoplights could be causing as much as 200 billion tons of carbon production per year simply because lights don't talk to one another and they don't talk to our cars, making it more difficult for the whole system to operate efficiently. Now, different cities use different systems and standardizing everything will be tough. Uh, But the way smart grids are going and centralized controls are starting to find their ways into cities, we could start seeing smart signals too, which would mean less waiting at a light where nobody is coming across. So this can only mean good things for cars moving forward. I'm all for smart stoplights. Meanwhile, uh, Faraday Future was in the news again, and again, it is not for a good reason, this time, they are being sued by a company called The Mill, which is an amazing visual effects company. They're the people who make the uh, the rig that is a car that can turn into any car by adjusting its wheelbase and, and becoming all CG'd. It's used in a ton of different commercials. Go look it up. It's really amazing. Um, now, Faraday Future hired this uh, visual effects company to generate some interest in their actually totally real car, the FF91. Uh, they contracted with The Mill to produce a video that they would apparently send to celebrities and to the press to try to generate buzz. But they owe $1.8 million for that video. And The Mill didn't finish it because they weren't getting paid. They got an initial payment of about 20 grand, apparently. But Faraday Future then threw The Mill under the bus on Twitter, claiming that the effects company didn't fulfill its obligations under the contract. And while this is going to get really messy, we can be sure that what we're not going to get is a car from Faraday Future. The big news in the past day or so was uh, the announcement that Trump has uh, signed an executive order to start construction on his Great Wall. Uh, He also announced that there would be probably a 20% tax on all Mexican goods, the proceeds from these taxes would then be used to pay for the construction of the wall and this tax could be expanded to other countries and in its application in Mexico a 20 percent tax would basically eliminate all the margins for the small cars really hurt manufacturers but mostly it would hurt American citizens because by applying a tax onto those products if we want to buy those products you know who the tax is really being paid by? It's being paid by the American citizens. So despite all the rhetoric saying that Mexico is going to pay for this wall, this tax is really just making Americans pay for it by charging more for the things that they already get from Mexico rather than trying to encourage people to build it in the United States where the margins just aren't there, they're still going to cost more. So unfortunately there's no real punchline here other than the tax itself and the fact that we're all buying it. Uh, in other tax news, carbon taxes have come up again this week. And uh, Carbon taxes are basically the idea that gasoline could be taxed or oil and gas companies could be taxed or a tax could be applied on homeowners who use coal driven power or natural gas and that these funds would be uh, raised and invested in clean energy solutions with any extra being passed back as dividends so as not to be an undue burden on on the poor. Uh, and this has come up before, but was shot down because, uh, you know, climate change isn't real. But Elon Musk actually brought up carbon taxes in a meeting with Donald Trump this week, where other auto industry CEOs were also present. Now, Whereas before the idea was shot down outright, Musk was apparently just met with the same sort of silence as Kelly Conway's stand-up routine elicited when she gave it in 1998. Uh, And if you have time to look that up, don't, because it's super painful to watch. Uh, Next up, in Formula One news, the king is dead. Uh, Bernie Ecclestone is out at F1 after what seems like more than a century in charge. Uh, apparently F1 was bought by the Liberty Media Group, and there are no word on uh, what changes might be taking place or if it will impact the racing series. I know Ross Braun is coming back in a directorial uh, sort of capacity, which is exciting. Uh, but more than anything else, I think it's just good to know that when a shady organization like F1 gets run like it's a mafia crime family, everything can just be solved by someone buying it out and dumping those in charge. I mean FIFA really uh, could learn something here. Uh over at Toyota uh racing, uh the Flying Finn Tommy Mackinnon has taken over and uh I for one am really happy to see his name back in the sport. Uh I like many other people grew up watching him pilot Mitsubishi Evolutions around snowy bends like a complete maniac. And uh he's now in charge of Toyota's Toyota's uh Gazoo Racing team which is a ridiculous name we'll touch on a little bit later. But he sees really good things uh, in the future for their Yaris World Rally Championship car. Uh, the drivers that he will be in charge of include Yari Mati Latvala, Junho Haninen, Espelka <laughs> Lappi? And, uh Lappi, and other assorted names I can't pronounce properly. Uh Akio Toyota, uh the president of Toyota of course said that uh Tommy Mackinnon was an easy choice because he would make things happen. Uh sorry. Moving on to new cars, uh Kia announced its new Nero hybrid this week, which uh makes a lot more sense than the Stinger GT for the types of buyers that uh Kia usually attracts, but honestly the timing makes no sense. Uh, Prius sales—I mean, they just announced a new Prius, I think, last year. But sales have been in decline for at least five straight years. Uh, the influence of cheap gas uh, has certainly harmed interest in hybrid vehicles. You see that with people buying more SUVs and more crossovers now, which are less efficient, but they don't need to be since gas is so cheap. Uh, the Nero hybrid also starts at 24k, which is cheap Prius territory, let alone used prius territory and the the prii all come with the legitimacy of the toyota hybrid drive system which has been around forever and is known to be pretty damn reliable and the Nero is apparently going to make between 43 and 50 miles per gallon which is respectable uh, but it's probably going to be terrible to drive it's probably going to be worse than the prius and their timing could not be worse with this announcement so I somebody's got to talk with the people over at Kia and either speed up their development or slow it down so they can see what the market does. Uh, and new Nissan Z rumors uh, have popped up this week, saying that there's going to be a new Z car announced, which is long overdue because the current car has been around uh, since I think Obama was sworn in. Uh, the new one is going to have edgier styling like the GTR. It'll share a wheelbase with the new Q60, uh, which is what the G37 turned into, um, which is a tremendously beautiful coupe. Um, But they've always sort of uh, shared that chassis with the G cars, uh, just shorter because it doesn't have a back seat, obviously. Uh, The entry level will apparently have about 300 horsepower, whereas uh, it will also get the twin-turbo V6 that is in the Q60 offering 400 horsepower. There's also speculation that there could be a hybrid model coming, which would have more than 500 horsepower. This would apparently be a competition for the Porsche 718 Boxster S and the M2, which I think is only fitting that the Germans would be beaten by that Z car. (laughs) There's a billboard went up this week in Chicago for the Ford Probe GT, it's a sort of a classic Ford ad. It has the the slogan it'll get your motor running, uh which I'm not sure could be further than the, further from the truth with the Probe. Granted it is a good-looking car, but there are a lot more questions here than we have answers. Like who put this ad up? Is it uh something a, a sort of secret Ford campaign to test the waters for a potential return of the Ford Probe? Uh, is it a group of rich enthusiasts who have a sense of humor? Or uh, maybe more proof that uh, after the recent election, we're actually all traveling back in time? Uh, you know, we'll, uh, we may never know, but uh, hopefully I'll have some news on this next week to be able to follow up and say what actually happened with that Ford Pro Uh The Toyota Supra, meanwhile, AutoCar has reported this week that the Supra will be launched under the Gazoo performance sub-brand now i mentioned that earlier because gazoo is toyota's toyota's consolidated racing team's name not just the alien from the flintstones uh but this is really strange because toyota usually gets the names right i mean with their sub-brands they've had lexus which just oozes luxury they've had scion which is a You know, a bright, punchy name meant at attracting millennials. But Gazoo is so out there. I mean, they've even had success with models, like naming the Venza, which was supposed to be a combination of Venture and Monza, which was a cool name despite being applied to a glorified minivan with less usable doors. Gazoo, though, man, they are... They are pulling something out of a very dark hole there. I can't imagine really rocking up to a dealership and saying, "Yes, I'd like to drive the Gazoo Supra," or maybe they'll just combine it all and go for Gazupra. Come on, Toyota, what are you doing? Fellow Japanese car maker Mitsubishi uh, has announced that they have a new small crossover uh, coming out soon. It's expected to rival the Nissan Rogue or the Qashqai, so sort of that compact crossover size. Uh, the design from the image that they released looks really nice. Uh, it's a bit like an Outlander uh, front mixed with a little bit of juke on the doors and... The roofline and door sills look a lot like the Land Rover Evoque, which is a really attractive design. Now, Autocar, which broke the news, claims that the Eclipse name is attached to this. The Eclipse was, of course, the two-door front-wheel drive sports car that had uh, a, a turbo version that was very popular in the modification scene um, and was honestly one of the best-looking cars in the mid-'90s, in my opinion. Uh, But Autocar was also the source of the news about the Gezu Supra. So maybe Autocar just needs to cool it with the guessing on the names for a while uh, while they sort of figure out what's actually going on. The engineers over at Ford have uh, gotten out their calculators and uh, produced some new numbers for their GT supercar, saying that it will have 647 horsepower and achieve a top speed of 216 miles an hour. Um, The twin-turbo V6 will be faster, apparently, than the McLaren 675LT or Ferrari 458, uh, depending on which obscure Canadian track you tested at. Um, But it will be uh, the fastest Ford ever built, definitely. Um, It sounds good, and they actually released a video of it uh, uh, in sort of slow speed maneuvers, but it really sounded a lot like my old G35 coupe with a Nismo exhaust. And, I mean, you're talking $400,000 for a turbo V6 Ford, uh, and if you're going to spend that much money on a car... You're, you're probably the type of person who wants something that attracts attention. You're not the type of person who's going to appreciate that your car could be confused with a 15-year-old Nissan. So, I'm not sure if uh, what we've heard is going to be the uh, actual exhaust note of the car, if they're still undergoing some tuning for it. We'll see if Ford releases any further videos. And that brings us to this week's Deep Dive segment. Ah! Ah! Dive, dive. This week, I want to talk about automotive design. Actually, a very specific aspect of it. Now, we live in an age of real contrast where consumers have the choice of some cars with really daring designs like the Nissan Juke, the BMW i8, or the Mercedes-Benz GLE. But at the same time, you can look at the ass-end of a Honda Accord, a Hyundai Sonata, Toyota Camry, or Audi A4, and, without the badges, scarcely be able to tell them apart. Another area of design that has had some bold innovations recently is the interior. But a trend that is catching on and finding its way into cars from Mazdas to Mercedes is one I simply cannot get behind. And it's a feature so prevalent that I'm honestly surprised that I haven't found any results on Google already addressing this. I'm talking about infotainment displays that look like iPads tacked on to the dashboards of cars. It used to be, and is still in the case in some cars, that a large display is incorporated elegantly into the dashboard of the car, and the surrounding buttons complementing and enhancing the user experience when the infotainment hub is in use. Sure, fitting a 7-inch or larger screen onto a relatively compact area while still having room for controls for the HVAC and physical buttons for the stereo in an ergonomic fashion is a challenge, but it's not one that hasn't been completed before. And... I get that trying to do something different sometimes takes bold measures and a new approach. But what we've ended up with is a product that, in most applications, looks like a complete afterthought. Like they designed the car's interior to forego a display, then decided at the very last minute that they needed one to keep up with the competition. In the old G35s, the navigation screen actually rose from the dashboard when it was in use, and... While it looked a bit ungainly, the fact that it was sometimes integrated into a more seamless package meant it seemed more deliberate, more thought out. Now, some will argue that placing the screen higher up places it more in the eye line of the driver, reducing the need to look down when driving, thereby being a safer option, which I understand, but regardless of placement, it's taking your eyes off of the road, Why can't we have an integrated screen that looks like a part of a complete dashboard, and then a heads-up display that contains pertinent information in an even less distracting format? I'm not saying that bold designs should be discouraged. Even though the screens look dumb, like they could be removed by any old burglar with a crowbar, the GLE and X6 are stupid and impractical, but people still buy them. So there is probably a contingent of the car-buying population who enjoys them. There's also value in encouraging designers to break out of the mold and explore new artistic directions, pushing boundaries of car interiors. But I think that there's a difference between good design and design that looks like an afterthought. And I just think that we can do better. And that's it for this week's Deep Dive. Uh, Once again, I have had no questions. Uh, Questions require me to have listeners, which I also don't have. So uh, there will be no advice section this week. So we will jump over to our broadcast partners at the Post Truth Channel News. So here you go, PTC News. This is PTC News. Hot on the heels of their announcement that the new supermodel would launch the new Gazoo Performance sub-brand, Toyota have revealed that they will be relaunching the compact front-wheel drive Celica, but instead call it the flyger. Brand representatives indicated that the name was a combination of Flipping and Liger, which itself is a combination of Lion and Tiger, and insisted that the name, like the car, would evoke stirring feelings of being locked in a small room with a Flipping Lion slash Tiger combination. No word yet on when it will hit showrooms, but it is expected to be joined by the next generation MR2, which will be named the Gazoo Kablooey. Continuing their trend of producing poor facsimiles of other car makers' unique offerings, Kia has announced a new subcompact crossover. Meant to compete with the Nissan Juke and Cube, the new Kia Sphere is simply a ball with four gyroscopic seats that remain upright no matter the direction the Sphere turns. It's not yet clear what will power the Sphere, or what its handling will be like but company spokesperson David Kim said hills would provide a major source of propulsion. Stay tuned for more information as the auto show season continues. Tesla this week announced a new model which follows their models S, 3, X, and Y, a clever naming device meant to spell sexy. The new vehicle, called simply The Back, provides a fun reference to Justin Timberlake's hit song Sexy Back, while also providing a hint at the general direction of automotive progress. It's understood that the back was intended to be a two-seat sports car propelled by lithium-ion batteries driving the rear wheels, but after founder Elon Musk's meeting with Donald Trump, the company has revised its plans. The back will now be a gargantuan SUV powered by a steam engine fueled by pure coal and will be built in West Virginia by former lead miners. Meanwhile, Kimi Raikkonen was spotted this week outside of Helsinki riding a Fisher Price Cozy Coupe that was being driven by a team of Chihuahuas, lending credence to the rumors that he will be joining a Mexican Formula One team for the upcoming regular season. That's all from PTC News. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to our broadcast partner, PTC News. And that brings us to this week's call to action. In the past two weeks, I've had at least three friends have things stolen from their houses or cars, which seems like a ridiculously high ratio of crimes to the amount of friends I actually have. Uh, I'm not much of a believer in this whole American carnage thing going around now, and I believe that the actions of a minority of our population should really not mask the amazing lives we as Americans lead. We have freedoms that residents from many other countries only dream of, and indeed some of them die trying to get here to experience such freedoms themselves. In a time where we're focused on building walls, let's get out there and build bridges, talk to people, make eye contact, be friendly, and be a living reminder of the American harmony that allows us to lead our best lives and pursue our dreams in the face of adversity. America is great, and it's on those of us who see it to get out there and demonstrate it to those who can't. And with that, thank you for listening, and thanks again to Nicholas Falcon for our intro song. I'll leave you this week with the sound of the original Ford GT40 with a prop of V8 tearing around a racetrack. Here is your moment of zen.